Hello, MC2C family. You have made it. This is the last episode in a six-part series where Daniel will be covering the five steps every Mastering College 2 career mentee learns. By the end of this week's episode, you'll know exactly what you need to do to get the salary you want. Also, if you haven't listened to the first five episodes in the series, don't forget to check those out. You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College 2 Career Podcast. This is the last episode of the six-episode mini-series on the Mastering College 2 Career journey, and we will be talking about financial freedom, aka also speaking about salary negotiation. So salary negotiation will be about 75% of this episode, and then we'll be talking about budgeting with ratios as well as uh, what makes up your credit score. Um, and this is all part of our Mastering College to Career journey, which is our five-step process that we do with our clients, which talks about clarity, visibility, number two, number three is networking, number four is mastering the interview, and number five is financial freedom. Um, and so I hope you've enjoyed this series. If you have, let us know. Let me know. Let me know on Instagram. Let me know on LinkedIn. Uh, because this will allow me to know what we want, right? Do we do more solo episodes? Do we do more mini series like this? Or do we continue to have guests? Or do we have a mix? Like this podcast is for you. And so um, definitely let us know what you ultimately think of this mini series. But let's get right to it, right? Let's get right to it. <clears throat> oh. In this episode, here's what you're going to learn, right? Number one, we're going to talk about how it's the best way for you to negotiate. Always, always negotiate. On average, when we help our negotiate uh, negotiate our client's salary, we get them three to $5,000 more. We even helped somebody get over $30,000 signing bonus um, just by negotiating. And that is our goal. Like ultimately, our goal is to have the salary negotiation uh, pay for our services and more, right? Like we just want to make sure that everything we do will be covered by the, just by the increase of the salary negotiation, let alone just the better jobs you get by working with us. And sorry for this shameless plug, but just the reality, right? Like, um, give you an idea in 2020, the numbers for 2020 during the pandemic, right? Our clients made $20,000 more than the average college student, right? Our clients, our average client made $69,444. And that is more than the average college student made in 2019, which is by far an amazing year for the economy and for hiring. Yet our clients made $20,000 more in 2020 than the students who graduated in 2019, to give you a perspective. So um, our goal, a lot of that had to do with uh, the right companies to apply for, right? But also a big part of that too is negotiation and salary negotiation. Number two, we're going to talk about how to budget yourself and how to set yourself up for financial success because the reality is very simple that who we work with, right? The clients that we work with are first generation minority students and international students. And for, I don't know about all of you, but for me, I came from a low income family, right? And uh, my mom didn't go to college. My dad died when I was three years old. And so 
making $60,000 right out of college in 2012 was a lot of money. And I didn't even know what to do with it. Uh, luckily, I had really good people, advisors and mentors along the way that allowed me to be financially smart. And I want to teach you and teach my clients and teach my community how to be smart with their money as well, right? Because what I don't want you to do is graduate college with a great job. And the first thing you do is go to the BMW Mercedes dealership and get a brand new uh, car, right? Uh, just because you can get a loan for it doesn't mean you should have it. And so we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to talk about your adult GPA, your credit score, and what are the seven components that make up a credit score. And because that's going to save you a lot of time and money, headaches, and allow you to reach your financial goals is having a good credit score. I really call it your adult GPA. And so we're going to be talking about that as well. So let's get started. Let's get talking about salary negotiation. All right. When does salary negotiation start? It starts from the first conversation you speak with the recruiter, right? Um, ultimately, you're always negotiating. Like it's, it's always about value, right? When it comes to negotiations about leverage <clears throat> and think about it like this, when you apply for a job, you're one of thousands, hundreds, you know, whatever, depends on the company. Uh, and there's one job available. So if a thousand people apply and there's one job available, who has the leverage? the company, right? The company has all the leverage. You're one of a thousand people. So if you come in right off the bat, first interview and say, Hey, I want this much money. The recruiter might be like, yep, you're out of our budget. Next, we have 999 people else to review. So the further down the process you are, the more leverage you get, my friend, which means the more power you have to negotiate. So the key to this is you want to talk about salary negotiation. You want to delay that conversation as much as possible, because the longer you are in this process, the more interviews you're going through, the less and less candidates you're competing with. And if it comes down to the final two and they've made the decision to give you the offer, this is when you negotiate because now you have the leverage. Now you have the power because they have made a concise decision to give you the offer. They want you on their team. And that's when you should negotiate in the end. Now, understand every company when they're hiring has a range. There's a range, there's a dollar range, usually between $10,000 of what they're willing to spend for this position. Like I've spoken about this in the previous episodes, right? Every time a company hires, they're making an investment. And because they're making an investment, right? They they want to return investment. And the more they pay you, the more return they want. And so there's a range that they're willing to pay for the problem that you are solving, right? And so it's really important that you educate yourself, that you understand what that looks like. So before you even apply for the job, you should be researching what that pay is, right? Go to salary.com, go to, um, go to glassdoor.com, um, Go to myvisajobs.com and look at what they've, if they, if they sponsor for this job, what they've paid people they've sponsored, because that's public information. You want to know, you want to arm yourself, you want to educate yourself, you want to be ready and understand what's that range, right? What is that range that they're willing to pay for that level entry, entry level job, right? Because if they ever ask you, um, sir, hey, Daniel, uh, what are your salary expectations for this role, right? If that ever question comes out, it doesn't matter if it's in the beginning or the end, you want to be prepared. And how do you answer that question? Here's how you answer that question. So if they ever ask you, 
especially in the beginning, what are your salary expectations? What are your compensation expectations? One, you want to know what that range is, or at least as close to it. And you want to reply with the range, right? You want to reply with a $10,000 range, understand that your low end should be their high end, right? So if this, this company is for a sales associate at PepsiCo and they're looking to pay sixty dollars to $70,000, that's their range. Your reply could be, I am looking to make uh, between sixty-seven dollars to $77,000 for this particular role. But you reply with a range back. You never want to position yourself in one question. But here's the kicker. You want to always reply and let them know that money is not the ultimate decision maker. That there's more to money than this. So you're going to say, uh, thank you for this question. Um, first, let me, let me rewind. First of all, if they ask you this question, you want to ask, you want to actually bring it back to them. You want to say something along the lines of this. Uh, thank you so much. Um, actually, what are you looking, what, what is it that you guys have budgeted for this particular role? Right? So you turn the question back to HR and let them tell you that range. They're going to tell you a range. Now, if they kind of debate de the question and then re-ask the question, they're really pushy about you having the answer. You say, you can reply back, okay, and say, okay, well, based on my research, based on my skills, based on what I bring to the table, I am looking to make sixty-seven dollars to $70,000 for this particular role. But I do want to make sure I let you know that for me, compensation is not the ultimate, the, the reason why I would take this job or not. Like for me, compensation is just one of the factors and there's a lot more to this. I am looking to build a career with your organization and I would never want money to be the reason why we can't work together. <clears throat> what that allows you to do is to kind of let them know that ultimately you, you can now negotiate that later on because you know money is not the only re thing you're going to be negotiating. That there's other factors involved aside from money for you to make this um, decision in the end. Now, let's, pat, let's, let's move forward. Let's act like you've actually already interviewed, like you've already gotten the offer, right? And now we're going to talk about how you negotiate. So you got an offer, you did the interview, they gave you a verbal offer at the interview, they give you a written offer. And this is the first time you guys talk about compensation at all. You see the offer and it's not as high as you thought. What do you do? 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 Here's what you're going to do. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to let them know that this decision is not something that you're going to make by yourself, that there's other people involved in this decision. It could be your parents. It could be your significant others. That allows them to kind of take the pressure off you, right? So you can say something along the lines of like, HR manager, decision maker, thank you so much for this offer. I, I am just truly honored. This is fantastic. It's working for your organization is a dream come true. This is a very important decision. In fact, it's probably one of the most important decisions that I will make in my life. And I cannot do this decision by myself. There were a lot of people that has helped me get to this point. My parents helped me, supported me through this, made ultimate sacrifices. So do you mind? If I take a couple of days to talk this over with my family and loved ones, that right there is going to buy you some time. It's going to let them know that this is not just your decision. And so when you do come a couple of days later <clears throat> asking for uh, more money, um, it's going to also come like it's just not for you. Like you have advisors that are helping you negotiate this. Yes, you do. And I could be one of them. I want to be one of them. Right. And, um, and so you can come back a day, two days later and say, hey, hiring manager, again, I just want to thank you so much for just 
picking me for this role. I understand how much uh, thought you probably made into this decision. And this is not a decision you're making likely and, and, uh, lightly and neither am I. And um, I just wanted to see, look, I'm very excited about this. Um, I'm looking forward to building a career with you and this organization. But is there any way that we can increase the starting pay to $75,000? You know, based on the research that I've done, based on the experience, based on what I bring to the table, um, I would be very happy if you can help me just increase it just to, 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 to $70,000, right? And that's it. You let them talk. You be quiet. Silence. It's golden. And what you did there, like if you just, I want to kind of like talk about what I did there, right? <clears throat> Number one, I bought some time, right? And to kind of like let them cool down, right? Take that emotions out of it. This is not an emotional decision. This needs to be a logical decision. Number two, this is not a debate or a fight between you and them. It's not you against the company. It's not you against HR, right? If you make more money, they don't make less money, right? That doesn't work that way, right? So in, in the reality, if they can help you, they will help you. So you want to make them your friend. You want to be allies. You want to make sure that you look like it from, a, you want to come from a perspective that you're on the same team and you're just trying to get paid fairly. You just want to, you know, make the most you can, right? And so the approach you're coming in is that you're coming in and sounding like you're just going to accept it, but without saying you accept it. Like you want to acknowledge that they picked you. You want to acknowledge that they, that this was a decision that was really hard for them to make, but they made it. And you want to let them know that you're excited about it. And you want to let them know that you're not just excited for the job, but you're excited for a career, right? So what I said earlier was hiring manager, HR recruiter, thank you so much. I'm really honored that you've selected me for this role. I'm very excited about it. I can really see myself building a career here in the long term, right? What you're doing there is positioning yourself in the same team. And this is amazing. From there, right? Um, now that you put yourself in the same team, you are then asking, there's your ask. And you just want to ask three, $5,000. That'll be easy for them to, to, to accept. Because here's the thing, like, they're not going to take away your offer if you ask for three to $5,000. That's not a lot of money for a company. That's not disrespectful for them, right? And if they can't do it, they will tell you. But if they can do it, they will, because it's much easier to give you three to $5,000 increase in salary than to re-interview everybody all over again. That's a headache. How much time and money is that going to cost the company? A lot more than three to $5,000. So it's easy for you to ask for that money. Now, best case scenario, they accept it. They go with it. Most of the time, they're going to be like, hey, Daniel, uh, let me see what we can do. We might have to go to uh, the, the boss, finance, budgeting, accounting, whatever, another department to get you the extra money. And that's fine. Well, and you can just say, you know what? I understand. I know you have to go through a third party person to get this approved. Uh, I really hope that you can help me. Like, I just want to, I want this job really bad, but like, if you can help me with this, I'll just be even be extra excited about this opportunity. Look, I, I just want to read, re reiterate the fact that this is not a job for me. This is a career. I'm here for the long term, and kind of let them know. And, and again, talk about what you have aligned, the aligned goals you guys have together and, and go from there. Now, if they come back to you and say, you know what, Daniel, we can't do this. Uh, it's just not in our budget or, you know, whatever reason that might be, then that's fine. But here's the thing. There's a lot more to negotiating than just your, your base salary. You can negotiate bonus. Maybe your job doesn't have a bonus and you say, 
well, I understand you cannot increase my pay, but um, I want to be rewarded for the work that I do. And if I overcompensate on the work that I do, is there a possibility to add a 10 to 15% bonus at the end of the year if I'm over to over deliver on our key performance indicators, right? Again, you're aligning yourself with your manager. Like you're letting them know like, hey, like if I over deliver on my promise, can you over deliver on pay? Ask for it. What's the worst thing they can tell you? It's no. Trust me, they're not going to reject you for that. Um, Maybe you can't do salary. Maybe you can't do bonus. Can you do a signing bonus? Can you get a relocation fee, right? Maybe they can't give you a signing bonus, but they can give you from a different side of the budget, a relocation bonus. And since you're in the same city already, you don't have to relocate. You can keep that money. Uh, Maybe you ask for extra time. Maybe you ask for personal development budget. Just understand that there's a lot more than salary that you can negotiate. But I always, the key here, the biggest takeaway here is to always negotiate something, ask for something. At the end of the day, I I would say 90% of the time you're going to get something. And and if you don't still make the decision, you're not going to lose the job for this. So that is the salary negotiation part of this presentation. Look, and if you have more questions about this, this is a complex topic. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of situational things that can happen to your particular circumstances. So if you want to go ahead and reach out to me on social media uh, and have a couple of questions about this, I'll be more than happy to answer them. All right, let's get through the last 25% of this podcast, which is talking about budgeting and your credit score. Look, It is really, really important that you live below your means. It's really, really, really important that you are setting a budget and that you're being smart with your money, especially if you're going from being a broke college student to making 60, 70, 80, 100, $150,000. I've seen some of my clients make, right? Uh, And so it's important for you to be smart, smart with your money. So what I want you to do is I have a budget calculator, a ratio calculator calculated that will allow you to put what your income is and tell you what you should be spending in housing, utilities, food, transportation, insurance, personal recreation, savings, and others. And if you want that, um, just again, message me on social media. I'll be happy to share that with you. But ultimately, here's like a, a really good rule of thumb that you should be doing. Uh, 50% of your money should be allocated towards living expenses, like to to your housing, your car, your transportation, your bills, utilities, living life. 20% should be for saving and 30% should be for leisure. Really good, easy ratios to follow. 50, 30, 20, 50% living, 30% leisure, 20% savings at minimum. If you're right out of college and you're used to living on a $30,000, $20,000 budget, my advice to you is to continue to live there for five years. You can retire 15 years earlier. My advice to you is to have 50% of that money to savings, right? So that you could buy your dream house in a year so that you can invest in real estate. You can invest in stock. The faster you can get to investing, the more freedom you're going to have and able to do your long-term goals. Maybe your long-term goal is to start a business, start a nonprofit. So start early start doing that. Now, for the last topic, um, let's talk about your, let's talk about your credit score because your credit score is your adult GPA. I know that sounds funny, uh, but it really is your adult GPA. And so you want to make sure you know your credit score. And 
Um, it's really, really important in America, especially if you're an international student, maybe they don't have a credit score system in your country, maybe they do, but it's important that you have one here. And so it's important to start building that credit score. But um, ultimately, here are the six things that really make up your credit score. Uh, number one, it's on-time payment. Are you paying your bills on time? That's really, really important. Uh, number two is the age of your credit, right? Um, how long have you started building credit? So if you have one credit card that you've had for one year and another credit card that you've had for five years, your age of credit, because you're only pulling from two accounts, is two and a half years. And so the longer that age is, the more stability you have with your credit. And so it becomes really important. Number three is total accounts. The more accounts, the better. The more diversified your credit is, the better. That's why sometimes it's good to have a lot of credit scores or your student loans or your car loans and stuff like that. That adds up to your credit. And that it's um, obviously allows to see creditors to see that you have maintained a good relationship with a lot of creditors. Um, number uh, four is credit usage. You never want to pass over 20%. So if you have $20,000 of ultimate, if you have say 10 credit cards and each credit card has $2,000 credit limits, so you have $20,000 of credit available to your name, you should never pass 20%, right? So you should never pass $4,000, right? If you pass more than $4,000, the credit companies think that it, you could be a risk of not being able to pay your debt. And that actually becomes and starts lowering your credit score. So you want to be careful with that. Um, the, the fifth part about this is called derogatory marks. So have you not paid your bills in the past? Has a credit card or a utility company or a gym have said to the, the three credit agencies that you didn't pay your, your that you were late? Um, and that obviously shows that if you couldn't pay that, that shows red flags and lowers your credit score. And then the last one is how many credit inquiries have you had in the last 90 days? How many times have you had a company, a credit card company, the car company, uh, a mortgage company pull your credit, right? And the more you've had in the 90 days, the more risk you have, right? Because if, if I were to pull my credit 100 times in 90 days, it looks like I'm really desperate and that lowers your credit score. So those are the five, um, those are the six things that you can do that you need to keep into account as you build your credit score. Um, obviously, this is really short, but I just wanted to get your attention to start thinking about your credit score because it's so, so important. Um, and it's just a key uh, to this, um, to you being able to be successful in America, uh, you're going to need credit. It doesn't matter how much money you're making, you're going to need credit. And, and it, the lower your, or the higher your credit score, score the lower the interest rates. So you actually save a ton of money in the future. Anyways, hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned about salary negotiation. Let me know how it works for you. Let me know if you have questions. Also, if you got a job, you got an offer, congratulations. Um, be smart with your money. Take care of your credit score. Um, if I can help you with anything, answer any questions, reach out to me on Instagram, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, in the show notes, you can find all the links. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Look, this podcast is free. But you know what you could do to help me? is to share this podcast with one friend, someone that maybe just got a job and then wants to learn about how to negotiate it, right? Somebody that has a bad credit score. Um, just share with one friend. And if you have Apple and you're listening to iTunes, um, give me a, a review on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You all are all super awesome. Catch you guys in the next episode. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. 
In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.